Welcome. Now, my name is D. Ludlow. Now, before we get into this episode, go to the description, click the link and get your M&A Mastery Toolkit. This is a free download, which gives you some of the tools and resources that you need to start your M&A journey. Don't forget, go to the description, click the link. It's a free download and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Ludlow Street Podcast, where we interview aspiring entrepreneurs who thrive off innovation. We look at how different walks in life have similar journeys, similar obstacles, but all have different whys. And now your host, Dee Ludlow. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. So how's it been through COVID? You know, as far as training goes, has it been hard to stay motivated? Yeah, I think um, towards the start, it was, it was very difficult. Um, we kept getting told like different times when we were coming back and you don't want to peak too early. So um, that's, been, that's been difficult. But um, we managed to get a bit of closure now and we're back in tomorrow. So nervous, nervous for it, but excited to see the lads. You know, um, it's been probably three months now uh, since the season finished. So, yeah, looking forward to getting back in and hopefully hit the ground running when I, when I get there. Good, good. So was football something that you originally wanted to pursue? So, um, definitely. So, like, as a kid, grew up, played football every day, you know, and um, I got signed by uh, Southampton when I was really young. I was there a few years, uh, but got released and um, just started playing rugby then with the, the lads back home and then um, got picked up for Bristol Rovers. Um, I was watching my brother play football and I was just kicking the ball inside the pitch and some scout just came up to me and said, I like, do you want to watch for so, um, went and joined Bristol Rovers and played there for till I was about 15 but um, what happened was is everyone was developing quicker than me so I was only really small and um, I just probably in, in the end I probably wasn't good enough to be honest and, and they released me and I was I was gutted so that's when I, I give it all up and um, I didn't start playing football again till I was about 19, 20 and um, it was good to just go play with, with mates from back home, like from Cumbran, and um, just got that love for it again and started enjoying my football, and that's when it progressed. So you gave up football to play basketball, and I'm sure you're glad you decided to play football again. <laughs> but do you miss basketball? Yeah, uh, I, I love basketball, you know. Like, those couple of years under Vic Fleming, like you know him well, and uh, it was good. And do you know what? If I didn't play basketball, I probably wouldn't be a footballer now. Um, I learned so much. And, the strengths I had from basketball where it was like movement coming off like pick and roll and stuff like that. I find that that's similar to, to playing on a football pitch. When a cross is coming in, I've got to try and get away from a defender to score a goal or in terms of getting up for a header on the back post and it's like going up for a layup, you know. So those things really helped me and um, it's definitely a strength of mine. Yeah, definitely. So what was the turning point for you where you thought, you know, I can make something out of this? Um, I think it's I got I was working in JD Sport at the time and uh, I had a phone call from um, Mark Hazelwood who's quite big in the Welsh football scene and um, he just basically he was the manager of a Welsh Premier League side at the time and he was like oh Chris I want to sign you and I was like I remember going to his academy as a little kid and I was like what this guy's ringing me like and I was like ah oh, shit so I um, so I called him on my phone break and um, he was like oh do you want to come down so I met up with him and um signed for Carmarthen and first year it didn't go to plan I wasn't really playing stuff like that and I was going to go back to my old club but he basically just spoke to me and said listen Chris you're going to play a lot next year blah 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 so I, I stuck with it and it was a great decision in the end because I 
got in the team of the year for the Welsh Prem. I think Marvin had one of their highest ever finishes to win the cup. And then um, he basically put me in touch with um, a guy called Nathan Blake. Um, and he's, he's big, obviously, in Cumbria and Newport. He's played in the Premier League and he's uh, had an unbelievable career. And he managed to get me a, a trial at Dagenham and Redbridge. And uh, I was working full time at the time. So I had to um, speak to my boss and say, listen, can I have a week off? So on the way to London, I went uh, to have a trial with Dagenham and Redbridge. And um, I think in the, the first game, we were playing someone like Billericke, which is a couple of divisions below, but uh, managed to score two goals. And then a few days later, uh, we played Tottenham uh, under 23s. I come on for the last 10 minutes, scored straight away. And they wanted to sign me on a two-year deal. And that's probably the moment I thought, Jesus, like, how, how quick has it all gone on, you know? And uh, ever since then, I haven't really looked back. So you moved around various different clubs, obviously, because you've leveled up as a player. But where have you felt most settled? Um, it would have to be um, Forest Green. And the reason for that is I was close to home. You know, um, at Dagenham, like my second year was, was good, um, done really well. But I dropped the division to, um, to go to Forest Green, which was like an up-and-coming club. The chairman's got um, aspirations to take into the championship and stuff like that. And it was just nice to be back home. My friends and family could come watch me every weekend. And I was living in Newport, so got to see them on a daily basis and uh, travelled in. And I felt good. The club was a great club for me, like really nice people. And um, I feel like when I'm in a good environment, that's where my, my football does really well. But um, up here in Edinburgh as well, I've got some great mates and it's a great football club to play for. And, it's probably on par with Forest Green at the moment. Things are going well, so I'm really enjoying it. So as I mentioned, you've moved up level by level each year, obviously shown that you exceed expectations each time. So are you looking to stay in the Scottish League or do you have intentions or aspirations of moving to a higher level again? I think as a, as a footballer, you've always got to try and play at the top, top level. Uh, and I think eventually you'll get to a place where you're comfortable and you probably won't go any higher. So... Um, I had a really good year this year. Um, I've still got two years left on my contract, so um, I can't see me going anywhere in a rush. But um, if the opportunity did come once to play at a high level, I think um, it would be great for me, you know. Um, and the higher level I go, the more opportunity I have to play for Wales. So that's something that's a, a massive goal of mine. I think uh, I might have been close to getting in the last squad, so that's a bit frustrating for the whole Corona thing. But it just gives me motivation to do it again next year, you know, and um, I've got to um, start better than I did last year. I struggled a little bit uh, when I first joined, but I finished the season really strong. So hopefully I can I can pick up the form I ended with last year. Yeah, the Welsh call-up's definitely a long time coming. So look, you scored 126 goals in 260 games. You maintained some really good stats throughout your whole career. So do you think it's been the consistency that has allowed you to level up year by year? Yeah, I think um, with me, it's a lot to do with rhythm. Um, as soon as I start scoring, I don't seem to stop. But um, I have gone through stages in my career where I've gone, I don't know, nine games without a goal. And as a striker, yeah, you're expected to score and you put a lot of pressure on yourself. You start getting sick from, I don't know, the, the fans and stuff. And uh, it can be hard, but you've got to just count on having good people around you and um, having good teammates. And um I'm one of those people, I don't try to beat myself up too much. I keep trying to uh, keep moving forward. Um, and I know that I've, it's happened so many times in my career where I've gone on a drought and then scored 
numerous amount of goals. So um, I always feel like that goal is around the corner. So I'm not sure whether you play Xbox or PlayStation, but Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure if you do play FIFA, but if you do, what's it like to play as yourself on FIFA? Well, do you know what? I'm not massive on FIFA at all, um, but my brother is, and he like, and there's so many like young kids in my family who absolutely like love it, and uh, they give me a, they give me sick for being too slow on there and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's 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 surreal, really, you know. Um, seeing the characters and stuff like that. And we actually had the FIFA team coming up Forest Green and they done their um, the scanning. So they done it so it actually looks like us, you know, like the lower down you play, it's not very accurate. But Forest Green managed to get this plug with yeah, for, um, whoever they are and they've come in and we've had like 400 cameras around us and they've managed to get everything done, which was pretty cool. Um, but not big on FIFA, but... Um, Obviously, it's good to have people I know, like even like the young kids from Cumbrian and stuff. They they'll tweet me or something. They're like, I just want to hatch up with you, Chris, and stuff like that, which is which is really humbling. Yeah, I'm not a big gamer myself, but I suppose your brother makes you score like 50 goals a year or something. <laughs> I played for Real Madrid by the end of it. <laughs> so look, you played at Wembley, which is sort of one off the bucket list for any football player. So how did it feel walking out and playing at Wembley? It was it was it was weird, like. Um, Obviously, we, we turned up the day before and you like when you play in the playoffs and football, it is the most stressful time of the year ever. And to, like we were winning the league by like six to nine points and we threw it away. So we had to win the semi-final of the playoffs to like get to the final. And we, um, you, you obviously go there the day before and there's no one there and you look around and you think, wow, you think of all the top players and the top teams that played there. And um, it's surreal. And I remember the night before, we stayed in um, the Hilton Hotel, which is bang opposite Wembley. So, like, my room was looking over at Wembley, and I just remember looking at the window before I went to bed. And I was like, holy shit, I'm playing here tomorrow. But then you just got to try and act like it's a, a normal game, and you've got to try and do your do your thing. And you turn up the day of the game, and it's, uh, like, everything's so, like, you go underground, you know, like, you've got a guy who comes on the coach and checks that there's no like bombs on there and stuff because it's just surreal. Like everything's ridiculous. And um, I just remember walking out and just seeing all the fans and stuff was, was pretty cool, you know? And um, it, it was, yeah, it was a great moment. So what would you say has been your best experience as a football player? Would that be up there or has it been other things? Um, I think turning pro for the first time was, was surreal because I never thought it was going to be a professional footballer. Like, I dreamt of it and obviously with the layoffs that I had um, and to be honest I didn't think it was good enough and um, to get there in the end I was like this is this is so cool but um, it's not as glamorous as you think it is when you're playing low down you know you're not earning great money I've probably was breaking even because I was getting cash in hand with football and had a good job um, so it wasn't as glamorous as what it looks but um, I think when I started doing really well at um, Forest Green, um, I was on a little bit better money, so I was enjoying myself a little bit more. And the results were good. I was scoring goals. Obviously, played at Wembley. We got promoted, so that was a massive high. And um, even when things didn't work out at Bolton, but to sign for a big club like Bolton um, in the Championship and, and playing in, in the Championship, those big stadiums week in week out against players you've watched on the telly was unbelievable but um, recent ones is probably um, the Edinburgh Derby we, we beat them at their place that was a, that was a great feeling but 
Um, football's a weird one. You have so many ups, but there's a lot more downs. So um, you've got to really uh, make the most of those ups. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, like you just mentioned, you know, I think the general public look at footballers and just assume it's the easy thing to do. You know, I'm sure it is an awesome thing to do, but it comes with a lot of pressure and hard work. So what would you say has been your hardest moment as a player? Yeah, I think um, definitely I think the the whole Bolton situation, that was that was hard. You know, I remember they, they had serious financial difficulties. Um, and I remember the first day I walked in, and because I had a loan to us permanent, so I signed there on a loan move till January, and then they were supposed to pay a lump sum of money for me, so I could sign as a permanent player. So effectively, I was still Forest Green's player, but I was at Bolton, um, so I was still on Forest Green money, you know. So all the Bolton boys were on all the big money, and I was still on the League Two money, you know, till January. So January the first come, I'm thinking, I'm gonna have a few money in my back pocket. So I turned up and then I speak to the gaffer, Phil Paxton, and he's gone. The chairman hasn't pressed the red button. He's somewhere in Monaco on his on his boat. And um, he hasn't pressed the red button, so you're not insured to train. So he said, I'll go home for a couple of days and um, we'll see what, what we can do. Like, he's not answering our phone. He's not paying all these bills. So I went back to Wales and um, didn't go back. And uh, obviously the manager's ringing me saying, Chris, we're dying to get this done, blah, blah, blah. And it literally just couldn't, didn't happen. And Forest Green at the same time were pushing for promotion. So they were like, well, you're a goal scorer. We want you back. So my head was gone. You know, I nearly had this unbelievable move where I was going to be on great money and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm back to League Two again, playing in front of, I don't know, four or 5,000 every week rather than, 25,000 so that was that was hard you know like a, a stressful year but towards the end of the season I started to pick up a bit of form and I think if I just felt sorry for myself I was, probably wouldn't have got this move up to, to Hibs in Edinburgh so um, I'm really happy that I managed to get my head sorted and um, put the ball in the back of the net yeah yeah definitely you 100% pushed through so how about injuries have you had any injuries or any ongoing injuries you know because this can be quite a big thing for football players throughout their career um, I've well, touch wood, I've been very lucky, but um, obviously from the old basketball, my ankles are like you know like prawn crackers. So um, every day I have to I strap them up like a lot, and if I don't have them on, I feel naked. You know, if you know what I mean, like it feels really like I feel comfortable when I've got them on. So um, I've done I've rolled my ankles numerous times, and you know it's got to that point where I've rolled it a little bit. I can still play on, you know, because I'm so like used to having bad bad ankles but I've no muscle injuries really um, I broke loads of bones when I was a kid just being stupid but um, nothing to do with um, football like just cut my head open loads of times from headers and stuff like that but that's about it mate. I've been very lucky yeah so you're at Hibs now so what would you say the level is like in the Scottish League compared to the English League from your perspective yeah, I, we get that question quite a lot it's, it's diff- very difficult to answer because in Scotland it's like football's completely different like football is life you know like each club they've got such a big support like we we um, I think on like a good day we'll have like 18, 19 thousand at a home game and uh, it's just like you walk through the street in Edinburgh and people know who you are and stuff so the pressure is a lot bigger than League 2, League 1 I'd say in England um, but then you've got Celtic and Rangers who are like I'd say like 
close to Premier League. And then you've got, obviously, Aberdeen, Motherwell done unbelievable this year. Like, they're very good sides, you know. And um, so I think half the league is like League 2, League 1, and then you're pushing like Championship. And then, obviously, you've got the two big dogs who are like probably Premier League. Well, yeah, they play at European level, you know, so definitely a high standard. Europe this year, they're both top sides, you know. They got just, they've just got the, the wealth and the support to, to bring in whoever they want. So it's a massive, massive help. So you mentioned people know you when you walk down the street. So what's the lifestyle like for as a football player? Like, well, compared from when you went from semi-pro to professional, what's the lifestyle change? Well, you can't. I can't do the things I used to do, you know, when I was playing for Carmarthen and going out in Newport Friday, Saturday night, you know, being a nuisance. But, um, yeah, obviously you've got to be wary of what you're doing. Um, I remember, um, I remember the media manager at Hibs, um, he messaged me saying, ah, oh, you've just been caught. Um, no, they're calling you online, something like, um, champagne or something. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, you've been caught in Asda buying a bottle of Prosecco. And I was like, you what? And I was like, oh, yeah, it was for my birds. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not for me. But like little things like that, you've got to be careful. Like, you go to Asda and you've got a load of booze in your trolley. you got to be, like, the amount of times I've seen fans and they've been like, you've got, like, you're a professional athlete. Why have you got? It's like, they don't realize that you can have your own time. And like, say you have a Saturday night after a game, you're going to have a few drinks. And that's what everyone does is just to relax. But yeah, you got to be really careful. And um, like, you wouldn't want to be seen anywhere in Edinburgh on a Friday night. You know what I mean? But um, as you as you get older, you realise the things you can and can't do. And um, you've got to remain professional, you know, especially when you're playing for a, a top side. Yeah, you've got to lay your hair down at some point. <laughs> so, you know, football can be such a hard career with a lot of short-term contracts a lot of the time. You know, it's very performance-based at times. So where it could be a fairly short career, and I know a lot of football players struggle to to maintain and stay in contracts. So have you, for this reason, have you already planned life after football? Yeah, well, I've got a, f- a couple of things that like I'm doing. Obviously, the contract situation is I've been very lucky with. I've always signed two or three year contracts, so I've got two years left at Hibs. So I've kind of like mapped out uh, what I'm going to do in the next two years in terms of uh, setting myself up because probably take me up to thirty. And then realistically, you're probably signing one or two year contracts then. And depending on how you do, it depends on how much money you make. And, you know, I'll probably retire at 35 and that's young, you know. So I'm lucky that I've come from a background where I've worked since I was 20, until I was 21. So I, I'm not scared of the fact going back to work. Like that doesn't scare me at all. Like, I know I can graft. So I'm not worried about that. But obviously, I want to put myself in a position where. I don't have to work as hard as many like other people maybe, you know. So I'm I'm into the like property scene. I've got people I trust and people I know pretty well. Um I'm so I'm looking at that. Um I'm trying to I don't know, probably try to get one a year till I retire. So that'll that'll hopefully um set me up and uh it won't make me um worry too much, you know. Um and maybe do you know like I'm thirty four, thirty five and I'm in the middle of nowhere and I'm not earning great money and make me not have to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, put me in a position where I've got to play rather than, you know, having to play. So, yeah, um, definitely looking. I like the property side of things and I know you do a bit of that, don't you? So, um, yeah, yeah. So, and it, it is interesting, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. Um, 
don't enjoy the paperwork and stuff. But <laughs> so, do you get any sort of financial advice as young players behind the scenes for after retirement? You know, it's like another life ahead, which can financially be hard, even on a footballer's salary if it's not planned correctly. Is there anything like that put in place? Um, I think like people do reach out to you, and if you do need support, the PFA will help you. Um, but I just don't think many footballers do that, and um, a lot of people have got people that they trust around them, and. I've got a lot of people that I who well don't advise me, but if I ever need anyone to give a call, and they'll help me. Um, but I think it's a lot of like people have people they trust rather than go to the PFA and stuff. And sometimes that don't work out for people. Sometimes people uh, look for a, a fast fuck and and do people over. But I've got people that I, I really do trust, and um, I'm constantly in conversation with them and I'm trying to get things done. But um, it is a massive problem. I think I've, I've read a few books and. The amount of time that football, like I think the NFL stats are the, the worst in terms of people who were bankrupt after after playing or divorce and stuff like that, and that 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 that's horrible to see, you know. Yeah, going from a lifestyle that you can maintain at the time because of your salary at the time to going from there to you know, and I can imagine that being hard to adjust. You know, like if you're driving around in a top of the range Range Rover and then you're paying I don't know a grand a month and then you've got no money coming in and you still want that lifestyle. Like you're lucky to get £2,000 a month job wise, you know? So um, I can see how it's very hard to adjust, you know, uh, yeah. but I don't want to be in that situation, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, it's a lot of kids dream to become a professional football player. So what advice would you give to them to get noticed? Because the probability is so low what things can they do to increase their chances of getting noticed and sort of living out their dream to become a football player? I think for me, it's like I wouldn't go to an academy too early. I'd really enjoy my football with my friends and um, get those memories in before this all starts getting really serious. You know, I, I was in the academy quite early and didn't enjoy it one bit. You know, um, it's very like serious, like you go in and you've got coaches telling you what to do and stuff, and nothing's like off the cuff. You know, so I just say like, just have fun with friends and practice in the garden on, on things that like the right and left foot heading. Obviously, they're trying to take that out of the game at the moment. But if uh, if heading was taken out of the game, I wouldn't be a footballer now. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been great for me. But you know, like just just enjoy it. You know, don't don't take it too serious. And um, and if you're good enough, you'll make it. You know, you've obviously got to be lucky. Uh, like I've been extremely lucky and doing it at the right time. But sort of process and. I feel like if you just work yeah, work as hard as you can and enjoy it, um, you'll get as far as you, you're supposed to be. So on the back of that, if you could give an 18-year-old Chris a few words of advice that could potentially change where you are now, or that's if you wanted to change anything, what would it be? Um, I probably would have tried harder in school, to be honest. Um, if I like... It's a hard one because I'm quite happy with how it, how it all went because I managed to to have that side of it where I've worked and I've realized how hard it is to, to graft every day, like being on the building sites, like worked in factories, you know? So I've seen how it is. And then to, to come out the other side and get a professional con contract after not having a clue that I would, it was, it was nice. So I don't know if I changed too much, but I probably, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, no, I'm quite happy with how it's gone, mate, to be honest. I can't. If I changed something, I probably wouldn't be where I am now, you know, if I didn't do those, go to the academy for two years and play basketball 
I wouldn't be a footballer anyway. So um, I wouldn't change too much, to be honest. Yeah, that's good to know. So how can people connect with you online? I will put your Instagram in the show notes, but how else can people follow your journey? Uh, I've got Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, I think the Twitter is Chris underscore Deutsch and the Instagram's Chris underscore Deutsch 92. Um, and that's, yeah, they're both uh, public, so anyone can reach out. Thanks for your time today, mate. You know, it'd be great to catch up in like six to 12 months to see how you're progressing at Hibs. Anytime. Keep doing what you're doing, mate.